Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Global Virtual Panel of Miscarriage Survivors event. Thank you all for being here today. Thank you to our speakers and our sponsors as well. And at this time, I welcome our Master of Ceremonies, Dr. Lakeisha James. She's the CEO and founder of Designer Events by Lakeisha. Welcome. Thank you, Regeline, and good evening. Welcome to the Global Virtual Panel of Miscarriage Survivors event. Again, I am Dr. Lakeisha James, your Master's of Ceremonies for the evening. On behalf of Life Service Center of America, LLC, and Regeline Sabat, we welcome you. I would like to introduce our host, Regeline Sabat. She's a motivational keynote speaker, fine time best-selling author, life coach, first-generation Haitian American, the host of Walk With Me podcast on JRQ TV, financial expert and CEO and founder of Life Service Center of America, LLC, and also which is endorsed by Les Brown. Welcome, Gigi. Thank you. Now, now we're going to introduce our keynote speaker, Erica Castro. She is a speaker, author, CEO, and founder of Erica Life Coaching. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our keynote speaker, Erica Castro. Thank you, Lakeisha. Dr. Lakeisha in the house, and we have our beautiful speaker, a speaker and keynote, Regeline Sabat, I am so grateful to be here. Thank you guys so much for putting this event together, especially because this is something that needs to be heard. You know, with miscarriage, we experience loss, but there's really no closure. We don't have a funeral. We don't have, you know, an event, nothing. You know, we lose our babies and it's almost like if it didn't happen, but we carry that pain. We carry that sadness. We carry that that trauma, because it's a trauma when you lose a child. And it, it really puts hurt and pain and struggle in our heart. And so for me, um, I had a miscarriage. I was 13 weeks pregnant. And I, I you know, I just, I just started losing my child. And then it was kind of like a double whammy for me because I had to have an, a surgery because when I was losing my child, I didn't, it, not everything came out and it was dangerous and it was just really difficult. And so what I did to honor my son, I always remember, um, you know, he was supposed to be born in January and he passed in June or I lost him in June. Um, so I made, I made a Catholic mass for him with his name. I named him, I gave him my name. My son was named um, Xavier Christopher. And I did a ritual for him. And I made these flyers where it's, it's his name on the top. And I have a picture of Jesus with the baby um, so that he could be held. And then we passed out these crosses for the people that did show up to support me. And we did that so that we could find some closure for our, our son. Um, it was very challenging. It was very difficult. When I got pregnant, I was so excited. I was, I wanted this baby so much. And in the flyer, I wrote a letter to my son that I'm going to read right now. It says, to my beautiful son, Xavier, from the moment that I knew I carried you in my womb, my beautiful child, I was filled with joy, knowing and thinking that I would one day hold you in my arms and show you all the love I had for you. So I would sleep my baby holding my stomach and every night send you all my love, believing in my heart that God sent me this beautiful blessing in you, knowing that God made you so special because of all the love that your dad and I had for each other in creating you. Sadly, God said you were too perfect to belong with him in heaven. 
And as I heard in letting you go, I know that God has you in his arms. And in this world, there is no better place for you to be but in the arms of our father. I love you so much, my baby, but I know that deep in my heart, you are where God needs you to be. And as hard as it is for your father and I to let you go, we both know that you are with all the angels and saints in heaven waiting for us so that we could be one day with you. You will always be with me and I will never forget all the time you spent in my womb because no matter how hard this is, you will always be a part of me and I will always be a part of you. So I pray to God. I say thank you for the weeks we shared. And I know that we will always be together in our hearts, loving you always, missing you, your mother. And I did this so that I could find some form of peace. And so the advice that I give to you guys out there is that you have to allow yourself to feel. If you need to cry, you need to cry. Understand that we all struggle and it's, there's no answers. We have no answers. I wish I could give you an answer as to why, but there isn't. And we just have to get to the point of accepting. I always remember my baby in January and June. I will never forget my son. Um, I always think of him. I talk to him. And if I'm having a really hard time, I tell him, hey, baby, I need your help. Can you put in a good word up there with Jesus for me? Um, I ask him to look over me, my family. And I know that we're connected. I know he's here with me. Right now, I know my son is here with me. And so um, I also want to talk to the couples out there. Uh, ladies, men, process this thing different. And when you have a miscarriage, it can bring you apart instead of bringing you closer. And so you have to deal with your pain. Healing is an inside job. And if our men are disappearing in the garage, that's because that's what they're processing. That's what they're going through. And just like we lost our baby, I know that we go through the physical pain. We go through the physical, you know, emotion as well, but they go through the emotional pain as well. And they lost their baby too. And so we need to be patient with each other and show each other love and respect um, because they go through the pain, but they deal with it different. And I think for us as women, we have expectations. We want them to come in and heal us, but that's our job. And for the men out there, you can't fix us. The only thing you could do though is be there and love and support. And so if we could just come together and realize that this was the biggest gift of our life, but God, our babies were too perfect and they were angels and they needed to go back up. And that's how I've been able to deal with my miscarriage. It's something that I have been dealing with, you know, since it happened. And I have a couple of things that you guys can do. One, uh, Facebook support groups are great. Um, I wish we had a support group for just people like us who've dealt with miscarriages, but there's really nothing out there. But you can always post your feelings and there's so much love out there in the world. There are a lot of people out there who are willing to be there for you. Do not go through this alone especially as women, we, we deal with our pain alone and you don't have to. We're all here for you. There's people out there who are willing to be there for you. Allow yourself to go through the process and experience the pain because that's what's going to happen. It's just like, a, it's like somebody died and he, our babies died. You know, when somebody dies, it's the same thing. The only, the, what makes it difficult now is that we didn't have a funeral. We didn't have a way to close, have closure. So that's why I did what I did for my son. And I named him and I went, I went into the mass and I went up so that I could have some form of closure. And so um, I also have a song I'm not gonna sing, so don't get scared. But this song really has helped me deal with the pain. And 
It's Donna Taggart's song called Jealous of the Angels. And it's a powerful song because it's about a song that she wrote about when her dad died. And I, I listened to that song because our babies are with the angels. And so it's like, we're jealous of the angels because they have all our babies. And so for me, that song has been very healing. I'm also a poet, I do write. And so I'm gonna read you my, a poem that I wrote for my son um, so that you guys can um, know that I know what it's like and I know where you've been and we're all connected because miscarriages are common, but there's, you know, in our society, we don't talk about it. In our society, we don't do rituals or anything like that. So um, I'm gonna read my poem now so that you guys can, you know, see that I know what it's like to be you. So hold on a second, I have it over here on the site. Um, elegy, elegy for my lost fetus. And elegy is a poem you write for somebody that you have lost. So it says, child of my loins that was ripped from my womb. Oh, how I wish we could have loved. It's irrelevant to ask why, for you are no longer here. And yet my essence aches for your clasped hand. You are buried deep in my core, for I cannot afford to feel the absence of losing someone I never met. Reg dreams tattered. It was supposed to be us, the image of mother and child. Did my machinery malfunction? Was I lacking in hardware? Why did you crumble? Bloody wound flowing, no heartbeat to be heard, no cry. Me screaming, but no sound to be understood. Longing to breathe, but how can I? If your lost has left me, if I only have one lung. Dead and with no resolve. Beautiful child in heaven, come down in my dreams. Inject me with the valor to endure. The loss of your last laugh, the angst of your coveting your touch, the sound of your murmurs. Help me believe that you are waiting to one day be with your mom. So thank you guys very much for, for being here and know that we are here to support you. You can always reach out. Um, and thank you for giving me this opportunity. Thank you. Beautiful poem, Erica. Thank you. Thank you, Erica. It's always a pleasure being on the same platform with you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Our next speaker is Trent Denman. Trent is an auto broker at HM Brown and Associates. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Trent Denman. Welcome. Good, good afternoon. So I am uh, Trent Denman and I live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And so my miscarriage story is from a little bit different angle. Um, I did not have a miscarriage, multiple miscarriages. My wife did though. And I think for me, it was very difficult because, you know, like Erica was saying, men process it a little bit differently. And so our first miscarriage was in 2012, uh, November, it was our second pregnancy. And that was our uh, son, Francis. And my wife was about two months along and things were just seeming to go fine. But then, you know, things just all of a sudden weren't. And so that ended up being, you know, the start of our first scenario where we encountered that. And it was just very difficult because it, 
it's kind of like, you know, when, unless you talk to somebody who's gone through miscarriage, it's kind of difficult to um, resonate with them. But, you know, standing there with my wife uh, in the bathroom, I still remember it was like yesterday. It's, it's just very difficult. Um, and our third miscarriage uh, happened in January of last year. And that was our daughter, Hope. And again, it was about two months along and uh, it kind of had the same, same thing happened. It, it was just early on in the pregnancy and it was just very difficult. But the, the most difficult one was our son, Colby. Uh, we lost him Jan uh, July 9th of 2020. So right in the height of COVID. Um, we have three sons that are healthy and they're, they're doing great. Uh, Gabriel's 11, Joshua's eight and Peter is five. And we were looking so forward to having a fourth son, uh, Colby. We found out he was a little boy and he was miscarried at 16 weeks. Um, but so he was fully formed. And so it was really a stillbirth. And so the, the problem, it was kind of a little bit different with him because uh, what happened is we went into the hospital because they found the heartbeat. And then a few weeks later at the next appointment, they couldn't find the heartbeat. And so we went in to deliver him and we were wanting to make sure that we did everything that we could to verify if there was any possible chance because we didn't want to induce labor if he was if he was fine because um, he would have been a very small preemie at that point and um, at the end of the day when he was delivered it was just as simple as the cord was wrapped around his neck and he suffocated and I just I remember standing at the edge of the hospital bed and watching my wife go through that, it was just, it was, it was very tough. And, you know, it's, and I have a lot of love for you women because you have such a, a bond and a connection with that baby. And I just remember her holding him for the first time. And it was, yeah, it was, it was very, very difficult. And um, my wife's fear was that it would happen again. And it did the following January with hope. And um, I just want to encourage you, if you've gone through that, I'm, I'm encouraged because I know that my three kids are in heaven and they're just, just wonderful. I look forward to seeing them again. Um, but with Colby, we named him Colby Raphael uh, because uh, Maximilian Colby was a, a priest who was in the concentration camps at Auschwitz. He's now a, uh, he's been recognized as a Catholic saint. And um, he gave his life for a Jewish man who actually ended up making it out of Auschwitz. And then obviously Colby uh, with his middle name, Raphael, it was significant because Raphael is the angel of the archangel of healing. And so we wanted to make sure we gave him a strong name that was very hopeful and that um, 
you know, we didn't really want the story to end there. And so we're still uh, hopeful that maybe at some point we'd have another child. And um, we were able to have a uh, funeral mass for him. And he has uh, a, a beautiful gravesite with a beautiful tombstone. And we visit him often and his brothers know um, it's, it's, it was just one of the beautiful stories I'll share real quick. Uh, his little, all of my sons have a crooked pinky. I don't have a crooked pinky, but my wife, apparently that's a hereditary thing. And I remember when my son Gabriel looked at me and he said, dad, I know that that's my brother. And um, I said, well, how do you know that? And he said, cause he looked at a, a picture of Colby and he says, well, because he's got a crooked pinky, just like I do. And even though his little hands were just very, very small, you could see the, the hereditary crooked pinky. And it was just, it was such a special moment, you know, with the boys and, and they processed it a little bit differently because it was very difficult at the viewing for them because uh, they didn't really know what to think. And they had been through, we've had just a lot of loss over the last two years, especially. And so being able to encourage the sons and ask, answer their questions, because they had a lot of questions about it. I think that really was um, a little bit helpful because, you know, it's, it's a difficult thing, but I think being able to approach it from an angle of, boys, I, I love you. And, you know, sometimes things happen and that's just what happened here. And, um, they, they actually coped with it pretty well. And so I, I was able to, uh, move my family. We moved into a new house. And so a lot of those bad memories were associated with our old house. And I think that that really kind of helped the healing process. And I think from a, a husband's standpoint, um, my, my goal, obviously, then and now is to really just do everything I can to support my wife and really be there for her. And uh, I definitely have have you ladies in my thoughts and prayers, because, you know, I totally, I, I don't understand from a female standpoint, what it's like, but I understand um, some of that loss and some of those feelings. And the one thing I do know is that it's very, very significant um, because it's not a, a miscarriage is not whether it's one or whether it's multiple is not anything that should ever be pushed under the rug. It's, it's something that is very difficult. And I'm just encouraged that you ladies came on today to talk about that, because I think for me, it was also a little bit therapeutic, just being able to talk about those stories and be able to have people who had gone through similar experiences share that because it helps me understand that I'm not the only one and that I'm not alone. And so, yeah, I just, I thank you for allowing me to share and I look forward to hearing the rest of your stories and I'm just very encouraged by you. Thank you, Trent. Thank you, Trent. It's, it's always nice to hear a father's perspective on what you know your wife go through or your girlfriend goes through. So thank you for sharing how that, that 
impacted you as well as your wife. Our next speaker is Leslie Sessler. Leslie Jones Sessler is a five-time miscarriage survivor. She and her husband, Randy, are now the parents of Sammy, their miracle child. Leslie homeschools Sammy, age six, after decades of being a teacher, principal, and assistant superintendent. She is also a blogger at WatchMonkeyMama.com and writes about pregnancy loss for infertility, motherhood, homeschool, and education. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Leslie Sessler. Thank you. Thank you all so much. I am very honored to be here. I feel like this is a tribe that we all didn't sign up for, but nonetheless, we are stronger for it. And so I am honored um, and thank you, Gigi, for this opportunity. Thank you so much. So um, this is just a, a fraction of, of my journals of when we lost our babies, just a fraction because there are more. So what happens is when you're expecting, you know, you get your pregnancy journal and then you lose your baby and you get another journal and you lose your baby and you get another journal. And I remember when we got to our fifth miscarriage and we were pregnant again, I remember starting a journal um, just, just to sort of say we're pregnant, but I can't write yet. And then finally, when we got to our first trimester, I remember exhaling and saying, and now I can write. So our journey started when we got married. I married at age 40 and my husband was five years younger. And at age 40, a woman could have several things that could prolong a pregnancy from lasting. And so for me, I had fibroids, uh, my age factor, uh, I was going to be a high risk pregnant person to begin with. And so I might need IVF. In our case, we had our first miscarriage at 10 and a half weeks. It was a few months after we got married. We were very happy. We told the entire world like you do, right? When you're pregnant. And then I remember we lost the baby. In my case, all of my miscarriages were natural. My doctor did not want me to go through a DNC because already with my fibroids, removing my fibroids and removing a fetus would mean more scar tissue. I went through everything that I'm sure a lot of women go through when you're older and you want a child that badly. So we did acupuncture, we took the Chinese herbs. Uh, I did this face, Facebook support groups, found my tribe, uh, exercised, lost weight, did everything that we could. Uh, we ended up pregnant again, lost the baby again, pregnant again, lost the baby again. We wanted a baby so badly. We had been all around the country, it seemed, going to different fertility clinics to try to get our baby. I remember once after I had the initial pregnancy and then the initial loss that my doctor from Cleveland Clinic at the time said, perhaps it's the fibroids. And a lot of black women do suffer from fibroids. My mother had fibroids, perhaps it's genetic. And 
what happened is when she went in after I lost my first baby to remove my fibroids, I had 46 fibroids removed. In fact, it broke her record at Cleveland Clinic. I remember her saying to my husband after she took my fibroids out that the majority of doctors would have looked at me on the table for that abdominal myomectomy and they would have said, what are we doing here? She's 41 years old. Look at her uterus, all these fibroids, just take her uterus out, give her hysterectomy. But my doctor, Dr. Young, I'm going to say her name, Dr. Diane Young from Cleveland Clinic, she knew how much we wanted a baby. And she kept digging and digging and digging. What should have been a shorter surgery was longer. And she removed all of my fibroids. And we cannot thank her enough because she preserved our uterus. Fibroids do grow back. And that's what happened in subsequent years. And we had more pregnancies, more losses. So we have five babies in heaven. Five babies in heaven. I will say that for me and for my husband, our faith is what kept us going. Our faith in God. I don't want to judge anybody's trajectory at all. I just know on our path, with each loss, it seemed like we got closer to God. We got closer to one another. I was that mom to be where I'd see a woman walking by with her baby in a stroller and I just couldn't stop looking. Or I'd be in the mall parking lot and I couldn't wait to park my car in the expectant moms only parking spot. You all know what I'm talking about, right? Mother's Day at church. I wanted to be that mom that went up and got those roses from the minister when they said all moms stand up, happy Mother's Day. It took nine years, nine years, five miscarriages, all natural. I'll never forget there was a day when we got to our third miscarriage. And by then it's called recurrent miscarriages. You have to have three. I remember I was a school principal. I was standing in my school office. And at the time, at the time, my son, sorry, at the time, I um, had just given my staff a beautiful teacher appreciation breakfast. And I walked out to the main office and I was talking with someone. Next thing I know, I felt it. I felt the gush of blood. I knew that feeling. I knew that feeling. My journals had that feeling. I knew it. I looked down and I'm standing in a pool of blood. And at that moment, I had teachers. I I'm, don't want to tear up. I had teachers who, I mean, it, it, we talk about biblical, talk about scripture. It was, it was something out of the Bible. They helped me get to the restroom. They helped me. One took her shawl off of her body, her beautiful green shawl, and she wrapped it around my waist. And they escorted me to the car. By then, I'm like, I got this. I'll drive myself home. They were like, no, go. I'm like, I got this. I know what we need to do. I drove home. My husband was there waiting for me. And then we had to release the baby. And then my husband had to take the baby to the doctor. I know this is a lot of information. This might be too TMI. But this is what we live. This is what we live as miscarriage survivors, knowing that I could be in my home where I just said goodbye to my baby and my husband is now in the car driving to take 
my baby, our baby, to get it tested. He was a boy. He was a boy. We lost. I'll end by saying that my family, God bless my family. You have to have supporters. My family was there. Our family was there. His family, my mother, my brother, my sisters, his family, our friends, God, we got through. And in the end, we use IVF. We finally, finally had our miracle baby. Sammy is now six and a half. And yes, I miss my babies, but I do know that we had to go through that in order to get to him. And so thank you for letting me share my story. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you, Leslie. That's amazing. Your strength is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you. Our next speaker is Aaron Bear. Aaron Bear is an author, speaker, and coach. Aaron wrote the book From Beaten to Badass, and it was released in October 2019. Aaron's life purpose is to confront the elephants in the room and give women strength by inspiring and motivating. Aaron teaches them to leverage all of what life throws at them, their way to bring out the powerful women they truly are, showing them that they are not defined by their circumstances and they are a badass. I love that badass. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Aaron Bear. Hey, everybody. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Awesome. So sorry I was late. I was having some issues here at an event that I'm actually at. Um, but I want to thank Gigi Sabat for having me on this wonderful panel to inspire, motivate, encourage, give others hope that may have struggled with infertility, miscarriages. Um, it's something that we don't talk about. You know, it's the elephant in the room. And I am all about confronting the elephants in the room and talking about those uncomfortable things that people turn a blind eye to and miscarriage and fertility um, is one of them. And I have struggled with infertility for six years now and I've had many losses. And I know that those babies were just meant to be in heaven with God to watch over me and to prepare me for whatever life throws my way. The hardest part is the things that people say, the things that hurt the most, oh, you'll get your baby or just keep trying or go have fun with it. You're going to get pregnant. You're young, you know, and you don't know that people don't know that. And they make these empty promises and those empty promises for a promise that they can't keep is the hardest to hear. And I've had to make some tough decisions like most of us on this panel have had to make and I thought I was going to get pregnant right away. I was healthy. I did everything right. I went to school. I graduated. I went to college. I graduated. I got my master's degree. I graduated. I met a guy. I got married. I bought a house. We got financially, you know, stable. We did everything right. So wouldn't pregnancy just come easy? Wouldn't it just work the way it's supposed to work? And it didn't for me and my husband. And for us, we are actually at the end of our road as far as our journey to becoming pregnant. And it's just something I actually had to make a decision recently. I've had three losses. Two of the, two of the losses were ectopic pregnancies. One of them we had to terminate. I had to abort medically. And I hated when they used that word because it's a miscarriage that didn't go right away. It's not like I went in one day and woke up the next day and I was completely healthy and normal. I had to lose that baby for a month and a half. I had to have surgery to make sure it was gone. And I never grieved that, never grieved that loss. And then almost a year to the day, I was rushed to the hospital, not knowing I was pregnant. 
and losing that baby again, another baby. And I almost lost my life because I wanted a baby so bad and I lost it. And so I struggled and I decided to go through the IVF route. But I was sure that it was gonna work. And I actually did my first transfer last year and it failed. And to me, that's another baby in heaven that wasn't meant to be mine in my arms. And people don't wanna talk about it. People wanna tell us that we're gonna get our baby no matter what, that it's going to come. They just know that we're gonna be a mom. But for me, I'm a mom to three angel babies. Sorry, there's some kids right here. <laughs> and I'm okay with that because I know that those babies are on the side of God and I know that they're guiding me every day. And I know that I have a bigger purpose than I can even imagine. And I just had surgery this February where they had to remove my last and final two. So it's been permanent for me not to be able to have a child biologically because it's too risky. And I just made the decision, a very hard decision that nobody really knows about that I'm sharing with you today that I am not going to pursue with IVF any longer. My body has done so much for me. It has carried three angel babies that I'm so blessed to call mine. And I'm so glad that they're in heaven with me, but we need to talk about these things because we hurt. It's painful. As you can tell, I'm probably tearing up and it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to know that I've lost three wonderful babies and I will meet them someday. And I may, I may get a baby through surrogacy or adoption and they'll still be my children if I decide to go that route. But we need to stop telling women that they're gonna have their baby. We need to stop telling them that keep trying or if they want a baby to go out and get a baby. We need to stop that because it hurts. We know it's in good faith and we know it's to give hope, but it hurts more than anything. And the best thing you can do for anybody that has struggled with infertility or miscarriages or loss is to simply be there. Let them cry. Let them mourn their loss. Let them know that they're being heard. That's the most important thing I think it is when it comes to miscarriages and ectopic pregnancies and fertilities and struggles and all of the things that are wrapped up in this beautiful world of trying to become a mother or father. And we also have to understand that the man struggles too, but they're trying to be strong for the woman. They're trying to be the strength, both physically, emotionally, mentally, there for their women. And I know that there's also men for men and women for women. I get that. And we need to just let them be there. We need to understand that it's a road that they take together. Don't tell them that they're going to get something that they may never get, but be there for them, love them, and understand that their loss is bigger than anything that they could ever have imagined. So when we struggle with miscarriages or atopic pregnancies or losses or infertility, the best thing you can do for us is to hold our hand and walk through it with us. Thank you. Thank you, Erin. Thank you, Erin. Always a pleasure to be on the same platform with you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Our next speaker is Andrea Campbell. Andrea is a director at ACT Training Services. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Andrea Campbell. Thank you so much. And thank you for this opportunity to share on this platform. I feel really honored. I've never had a chance to do this with people who understand my journey. Now, my first miscarriage happened when I was 30 years old. I'd been working professionally in the diplomatic service and I didn't want to have children early, you know, I just wanted to have a 
do everything right, you know, just get have some sort of standard and, and finances and everything in place and a house and all that too, so that everything will be okay. Well, I was shocked to know that I, I, I miscarried at about two months. The second one was the one that hit the most. Um, I was 26 weeks in and that it was a prom. Prom was the word, I think, premature rupture of membranes. That was all the explanation I got for it. And I, I, that really had took me for a long, long time. You know, I was really, really hurt. Um, I was never suicidal, but I felt like I didn't care if I lived or died. So if that's suicidal for you, well, I drove to the seaside. I lived in the Caribbean and I would just take my car and drive to the seaside and just sit there. My family were really concerned about me because they just thought, you know, they didn't know what I was thinking. I didn't know what I was thinking. It was just such a shock. I mean, the first one, fine, okay, that happens. But the second one, and at 26 weeks, you know, I, I and I, during that time, I think I made a few enemies. I think, well, I didn't make enemies, but I, I deserved to make enemies the way I answered. Because just like Aaron was saying, people come, came and said, oh, don't worry, you can you can have another one. You're young enough. I'll just try again. Just brush it off as if it's nothing. And that really hurt me. It really did hurt. You know, they didn't know what I was thinking. And I told some of them who didn't have children either, go have your own. You know, it was really... And, and I shouldn't have said that, but I was just hurt all around, you know. Uh, they came to the hospital and they said to me, don't cry. And these are people who have five children and they cry when they still miscarried or, or when they, they lost one, you know. And, and they're telling me, my first child, not to cry. And I really felt that was unfair. And then later on, I, I moved up, um, to, I, I moved, you know, to the UK and I, I have two more miscarriages. So I've had four in all. I think I have five. I just didn't want to know about the last one because by then I was exhausted. And I told myself, you know, if that was the case, I, I think I was, but, you know, I think it just naturally went. But um, I, I, after a while, I, I just gave up. I said to myself, I didn't feel like I wanted to try again because I just felt like I was becoming like a cemetery. That was the word I used to myself, you know, all these dead bodies and what was wrong with me, you know? Um, and then I felt guilty too, because I was somebody's high powered and, you know, I, I was always rushing and, and they made me feel like, like it's my fault. You know, if you're pregnant and you feel good, you don't you don't feel sick or anything. You do not you don't go naturally. You know, you just walk and 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 do what you need to do naturally. There was no reason for me to slow down because I didn't feel ill or anything. So yes, people say, oh, you know, you you know, it's you. This they actually did say that. You know, my doctor was very helpful. He said Andrea did nothing. He did absolutely nothing wrong. You know, um, he gave me some antidepressants because I was that in the doldrums. You know, and um. I started to take them and I started to feel really, really high and oh, as if nothing happened after a week, I was all over the place. And I caught myself. I said, you know, this is not normal. This is not natural. I should not feel this way. I just had a miscarriage. And I just put those tablets away, just dumped them. And I realized that, no, I had to go through this because if I put this off, it's gonna come back, you know, I, I have to go through this. And it was hurting and all that. And I, I just decided, look, it's not gonna happen. And I just um, let it go. I had a little, I have a little girl um, 15 years ago, actually. Um, she's not, so she's 15, but she has special needs. So I focus on that and I, say, and I ask God, why, you know, after all that, not to have a child with special needs, you know? There are people who have five children and can't feed them for God's sake, why, why am I? Why, why? You know, and I've been a Christian all my life. But when people are telling me about God knows best, I didn't want to hear it. I just didn't want, I did not want to hear it, you know, because this, this don't feel best to me. Anyway, so um, my daughter is here. She has special needs, but she's all right, you know. Um, so I've focused my life now on helping families who have children with special needs. And I would not have done that if I didn't have her.
And because of this girl, my life has started over, you know, because now I'm, I've, I've had this organization that helps people to find employment. But apart from that, I have families who have children with special needs, help them to, and I have a, an invention, that, a set of resources that I've invented to help children like her to learn to read, to count and, uh, and build their vocabulary. And that is an invention recognized you know, several, several awards over the years for this invention. And the most interesting one is one she brought home two years ago that she got at school because she's doing well at school. You know, um, So I say to people who have gone through this, nothing is wasted. You know, every experience you have can be used, if not for you, for somebody else. And yes, when you're going through the dark moments, it, it, you can't see the light, it hurts, it, it's painful. But you know something, when you get out of that, you know, you can see it and you can use that experience to your benefit or to benefit other people. And that's what I've done. So I've done that and I have written several books. One of them is inspirational quotes because I do feel like I, I'm divinely inspired. So I, I keep writing and I have perhaps have books about um, special needs and all that too. So I'm, I'm just, my life has just changed. And I, look, I don't think about the miscarriages anymore. I, I don't, um, maybe because it's overtaken by the special needs, you know, but um, I just think that whatever experience we have can be useful. And, um, and that's what I'm doing at the moment. I thank you very much for this opportunity to share, which I've never done before, you know, about this. But um, I just, I'm happy also to meet you ladies. I do hope there's opportunities to continue to, to liaise with each other. Thanks a lot. Wow, first time sharing and you did phenomenal. Thank you, Andrea. <laughs> yes, thank you you so much for sharing for the first time so many more people need to hear your story definitely keep talking your voice is your superpower our next speaker is althea richardson althea richardson she's a mother founder minister podcaster counselor friend and speaker ladies and gentlemen please welcome our next speaker althea richardson welcome Thank you so much, you guys. I am honored and blessed to be on here with you. So um, if I had to title my experience of having a miscarriage, it would be God knew. And with the subtitle of Romans 8.28. For me, both times I had a, mis a mis miscarriage, um, it was a horrible experience and I was in also horrible relationships with men who did not have my best interest at heart. My first extreme miscarriage took place in my late 20s in a relationship with an individual that um, I later discovered not only had a, another relationship, but was also married. But before that discovery, um, we were engaged and we were having our first child together. Uh, it was around midnight when I started having severe cramps and I knew something wasn't right. And so I decided to try to get in contact with my fiance via during that time, it was pagers and I paged him several times, 911, but to no avail, he never responded. So I eventually called my mom who was about 10 minutes away, she rushed over, came and picked me up and took me to the uh, LBJ emergency hospital. Now, if you're not familiar with LBJ, LBJ is one of those hospitals where if you don't have insurance, that's gonna be your last uh, resort place to go to for any type of emergency. 
And so when I arrived at the emergency room, they immediately took me into an exam room. However, um, I wasn't seen by anyone for hours. The simple thing is that they had me in a room. I was laying on a cold gurney with a white sheet over my waist. And I was there all by myself because my mom was in the waiting room waiting for me. All of a sudden, I started feeling the gush of blood. And I had, of course, never experienced anything like that before in my life and didn't know what, it, what to expect. And so when I felt this gush of, of blood, all of a sudden, it became overwhelming for me and I just screamed at the top of my lungs and eventually a nurse did finally show up and came in the room, tried to calm me down. And at the same time, she took what I, what it appeared to me look like a big blob. The thing that she did though is what was really messed up. She took that blob and she put it on a metal uh, plate directly across from me. And then she walked out of the room. And so she left me in that room by myself. I'm still on the gurney with this thin white sheet freezing in, the, in this room. And I'm looking at this, this blob that's sitting on this metal plate directly across from me. And as I kept staring at it, I'm trying to understand what, what is going on, what happened, what is that, what, why. Now, I also still hadn't heard from my fiance, by the way. I'm looking at this blob and I honestly saw a small baby. And when I kept staring at it and staring at it, I, I just bust out crying even more so, just hysterical. And finally, what seemed like eternity, the nurse finally made it into the room. She came in and she picked up the blob, tried again to calm me down, but eventually they allowed my mom to come in and console me. I believe I was in the hospital for about, I want to say about almost 12 hours. And the majority of the time I was in the room by myself. For weeks after that, I experienced extreme depression. I asked God why I tried to understand why did this happen to me? And of course, my mom, to the best of her ability, tried to console me. And I believe like one of the other speakers was saying, yeah, you can have more children. You're still young. This is one that really kind of really hit my heart when she said that all a lot of women go through the same thing. And that really wasn't something that I wanted to hear because I don't want it, I didn't want to experience it as something that's like it should happen. And so it was hard for me to comprehend 
how to get through this because as a single woman, I desired to have a husband. And I thought the relationship that I was in was going to lead to that in addition to having a family. And that wasn't the case for me. And so for months after that, I still experienced a lot of depression until one day I decided to go ahead and see a counselor. And that particular counselor, she basically just validated my feelings. And that was all I was asking for to help me to understand why my emotions are all over the place. Why am I okay one day and then I bust out crying on another day? I needed those answers. And eventually I found someone who was able to provide that for me. Fast forward to today. I am today a counselor for women in a pregnancy center, assisting women and helping them to get through the, the trials and tribulations of losing a baby. I do have two beautiful children, praise God, but I, my mission and my goal after having experienced all of that was to make sure that no woman felt alone. Here recently, I had a client who had just experienced her fourth miscarriage. And I, prior to that, she was excited about telling me that she was pregnant again. And we were both praying and everything, believing that this time they would have the baby, but to no avail, it didn't happen. And so I had no words and I told her, honey, I have no words. And we just cried. We hugged and we cried and we hugged and we cried because that was all I could offer her. And that she appreciated more than any words that I could possibly say to her. So I say to family members or friends that have a friend or someone that has lost a baby that they so desire to have or have had multiple miscarriages, sometimes you don't have to have any words to say. Just be there for them. Gigi, thank you so much for this opportunity. God bless you guys. Thank you, Althea. Our next speaker is Mon Monica. Did I pronounce that correctly? Monica Zans. She is a Founder Mom Academy Life and Biz Strategist. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Monica, Monica Zans. I'm sorry. You got it. You got it. You're good. It's good. It's okay. the German and Spanish pronunciation, Monica. It's perfect. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you to Dr. Lakeisha. Thank you to Gigi. I just so appreciate the sensitivity that you both have to bring forward a group like this to speak to a topic that is so critical for people who are going through it. As so many of the women coming before me and Trent said, there is this experience people have that it's hush hush. You know, you never want to talk about it and tell a woman while they're pregnant because you don't want to say anything that could dis disturb them or disturb their peace. And yet you're not going to necessarily say it before they ever get pregnant. So there's not really this time or space to say it until the inevitable for some of us happens. So I feel that this is such a blessing that we get to 
come together and share in this way. And it's so profound and powerful. And for those of you who have shared before me, thank you for the depths of your stories. Thank you for the depth of your healing and what you've done to be able to speak on this topic in such a profound and powerful way. And for several of you who are actually paying it forward in such a profound way in your work of, in your line of work. So thank you. So let me share a little bit about my story and I'm going to kind of add inside of it a couple of lessons and some tools for people because I feel like in addition to hearing the story, it's always really important to know what to do if this is the experience you're currently having. So I have a master's in spiritual psychology and I went towards getting this master's after a lot of my own life trauma. In 2002, I was hit by a truck in a crosswalk and I was told at that time that I would never be able to carry a baby, nor would I be able to survive a, preg a pregnancy. And at that time in my life, the only thing I wanted, so very much like Leslie, you were saying, like, I absolutely was going to have this baby no matter what. I was so clear that that was the only reason I wanted to be on the planet, that if it were to take my life, that would have been okay. I would have been okay with that. So having had a near-death experience, I already tasted the experience of having a choice to stay or to leave. And so when given this other kind of um, potential result, I said, okay, I, I'm okay with that. Deep in my heart, I knew if God wanted me to have a child, I would. And if God wanted to take me because I was better used in heaven to mother angel babies, then I am happy to take on that as the decree. So my husband and I were trying to have a child and there was a lot of time in my life at that time where I was doing a lot of my own prayer, not really having the direction or the guidance of what I needed to do or how I needed to do it, but I had already gone through during the healing from my accident, why me, why me, why me? And I learned that the why me question doesn't actually serve the healing process. It keeps me spiraling in that experience of sadness, of grief, of disappointment. And the biggest part of it was I felt very broken. So when, when many women, both clients that I've had, as well as my own experiences, when women go through something like a miscarriage, a stillbirth, a loss, we often feel our bodies are broken. There's something inherently wrong with us. And so a lot of the healing process is going inside of yourself and retraining, re restructuring the lens through which you look at your life. Because if you don't start looking at yourself as whole, as a gift of God, as a child of God, as loving, as loved, it is so difficult to move forward through these experiences that we have. We often then get stuck inside of the cycle of our grief or the cycle of our experience. So in 2006, so in 2002, I ended up getting pregnant with my first child and it was a very, very, very difficult pregnancy. And thank God the decree was incorrect and I was able to come full term and I was able to deliver naturally and I was able to have my first child. And that experience was no matter how difficult it was, as I had mentioned, even if it was going to risk my life, it was okay. So I felt like there was a, a come from that I had about determination. I learned from that age, like I trust myself and I know that there is something bigger at work here and it's really out of my hands. So I'm going to get, I'm going to take it kind of out of my hands and I'm going to pray and I'm going to trust and lean inside of that if there was this intention for me, that I'm going to live inside of this intention. 
I then had a second child two years after that. And in my heart of hearts, at that point, I felt very blessed to have two beautiful babies to have gone through natural pregnancy. But in 32, when she was 32 weeks, I had a very big scare that she had stopped growing. So similar to Leslie's story, there was this experience that I had of, huh, I wonder if this is going to take. And she ended up being fine and we, we made it. And there was a calling in my heart for three children. So I, again, about a year and a half, two years later, I was trying again to have a, my, another child. And at that time, I had started my spiritual psychology journey, learning about how to process feelings, how to process wound and trauma that I had experienced throughout my life, and really letting go of the past experiences that had shaped some of the dialogue and some of the reality of my, my existence. So as I went into this experience, there was a little voice inside of my heart that said, there is you know, this, this is a beautiful gift. This is a beautiful blessing. This is a beautiful gift. This is a beautiful blessing. So I went to our eight week appointment. And in that appointment, our doctor found a lump in my breast. So that was an unusual thing to find. That was an uncomfortable thing to find. That was a scary thing to find. So I was told, well, this is really good news because you're pregnant, we did this exam and now, you know, so let's go make sure that this may, we have caught something early. So I went to the doctor appointment that did the biopsy to remove the uh, mass that it was. And thank goodness it was a non-invasive. So everything was fine. I was fine. Four weeks later, I went for my 13 week appointment and because this was my third child, I thought, you know what? I don't want to bother my husband. He's at work. I'm going to go by myself. So I'm going to say right now, if you are ever in the position to have someone, a friend, a partner, your spouse, a mother, a sister, I suggest don't go to these appointments by yourself because there's something special in sharing the joy, but there's equally something powerful in having someone to lean on. And as women, we so often say, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. And we allow the masculine part of ourselves to hold us and think we're strong. But in that doctor's appointment, it was so difficult to get the news that I got. And I know that it was my masculine that had told my husband not to be there because my, the feminine, my heart, the mother in me would have absolutely wanted my partner there with me. So she does the typical Doppler and there's no heartbeat. So then she does the scope inside because she said, well, let me double check, no heartbeat. So here I am in the doctor's office with the doctor that has delivered my first two children calling up my husband saying, sweetheart, we, we've lost the baby. Now, for many people who have never had the, the opportunity to become a parent that dearly and desperately wanted it, it is very, very difficult to hear a story where someone has gone through having two natural pregnancies and births and then to have a miscarriage. And, and there was pushback. I felt very uncomfortable sharing my story. So there was this part of me that felt very isolated because who am I to say anything about having a miscarriage when I already had the blessing of two healthy children? And so I guess in that sense, I isolated myself even more. I didn't want to tell people. I didn't want to ask for help. I wanted to suck it up. I wanted it to be done. 
And I didn't have the experience with this miscarriage where it was at this um, natural release. I actually ended up having to go and have it surgically removed. So the experience that I had was kind of two surgeries and it took a while for me to really heal because I had denied myself the opportunity to feel it in the moment of it. So this comes my next lesson for anybody that's going through this. It is your right to feel whatever the experience of grief that you have is. Grief is an, an individualized experience, but it is no less important for anybody going through anything. It is, it is so critical to go through your grief. So then two and a half years later, I'm still trying for this third baby. So we're now three and a half years post the miscarriage. I have a second miscarriage. This one was a spontaneous miscarriage. I was only two weeks or three weeks pregnant. So I didn't actually even know that I was pregnant. So I had never had the experience of that loss. So when I did lose the, the baby, in, unfortunately, I did it in the bathroom by myself. So again, I was in this experience where I was by myself. And in that second one, fortunately, I was in an environment where I was with a group of people for a weekend. So I was able to be in that group of people processing my feelings, letting go of my feelings and speaking to the crazy voices in my head and the stories I started to want to tell myself about the brokenness that I was. So this is the third point. When you feel broken, it's very important to have a safe space to share it, not where someone's going to say, well, at least, or don't worry, you're going to be okay. It's really like Althea said, it's so important to have someone that simply is there and knows how to reflect you. And here's the cool thing. Even if someone doesn't know how to reflect, we are powerful enough to make a request. I really want to share something that's so powerful and so hard for me. And all I want to ask of you is, would you please listen? Please don't share your advice. Please don't share. And sometimes for us as women, we don't want to be that bold. We don't want to be that clear with our request. But if you can be clear about the way you wish to be held, you will receive more of the way that you want to be held, loved, and grieved than when you just assume someone would know better for what, what is important for you. So that was my experience. And I hope that in sharing some of the ways in which I handled some of the experiences, you take away a few of these little tips of honoring yourself, having this powerful voice to speak and ask for the way that you wish for people to be there with you, seek support in the places where you can, if you have the opportunity. And then the last little bit that I'll share is when we learn to forgive ourselves, you know, we're so good at forgiving other people, telling them I'm sorry or, or forgiving them for what they've said when they've apologized or had remorse, but we are often the last to forgive ourselves. And when we go through something like this kind of a loss, where it's not only a loss of a longing, but it's also the loss of a life, the experience for me was that it was a double whammy. I really felt like as I'd mentioned, I was broken and something was wrong with me and I had done this to this other life. So if we can sit in spaces of self-forgiveness, I forgive myself for judging myself as anything but whole, as anything but a, a emanation of God, as anything but loving. And to do that 
kind of a, a lot to keep telling ourselves how much we love ourselves and appreciate ourselves and rocking ourselves and putting our own arms around ourselves and really allowing ourselves to mother ourselves through this kind of a loss. It may not feel in the moment like much is happening, but as time passes and we do this over time, we really heal from the inside out. So I thank you for this opportunity to share and I thank you so much and, and I bless you that you may heal and that you may honor yourself through the grief that you go through. Amen. Thank you, Monica. Thank you, Monica. Amazing. I salute all of you women for being so courageous and transparent and so vulnerable and sharing your story. Keep it up. Because like I said, so many more people that need to hear you guys' story. Our next speaker is Joy Allen. She is a life coach, mental health advocate, spiritual advisor, talent manager, activist, and fashion stylist. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Joy Allen. Good evening, everyone. And thank you for having me. And thank you all for sharing your stories. Your stories are so amazing. So what happened with me in my miscarriage, my whole life, I wanted nothing more than to be a mother. That was the one thing I had desired my whole life. And so there was a time and I was really young that I thought it couldn't happen because there was something going on with my body where, you know, I went a whole year without having a cycle. And I'm like, what's going on? I didn't know what was going on. And I would keep going to the doctor and I'm like, okay, what's going on? I want, you know, I haven't had a cycle and I'm not pregnant. So I don't know what's going on here. So after a while, they were like, you know, um, put me on some medication and, you know, got that started back. So a few months later, um, lo and behold, I ended up getting pregnant. And so I was shocked, surprised, and scared and, and joyous all at the same time. So I had a lot of different emotions going on. And so one of those things, you know, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm pregnant, I'm gonna be a mom. And, and so a lot of that just made me feel overwhelmed, but I was you know, finally getting my wish. I was you know, about to become a mom. Um, although my circumstances weren't ideal, I wanted it to be a little different. I wanted to be happily married and you know, have that white picket fence, you know, the whole dream that we all dream about and everything, but the situation was, I was a young 18 year old girl. My boyfriend and I had just broken up. And so, and I was going through depression. So it wasn't the ideal circumstance or situation that I had dreamed about. But I felt like, well, I still have my baby. So I'm still gonna make the best of this and be happy. And, you know, I was still looking forward to being a mother despite the circumstances. So a few months went by and I went to a doctor's appointment to get my regular checkup. I was about three, three and a half months pregnant. And so I'm like, well, I know this time I would get to get the ultrasound. You know how we wait for that picture to see our first picture of the baby. So I was really excited about this appointment. So as I go into the appointment and the doctor checks me out and everything, and then she starts checking, you know, okay, well, let me check the baby's heartbeat and everything. And so she starts checking, puts a little, you know, tube on my stomach. And then she's like moving it around and everything. And, you know, had a strange look on her face. and. I'm like, you know, what's wrong? So then she checks me a different way and she's like, I'm just having a hard time, you know, getting a heartbeat. And so I just look at her and I'm like, okay, is that normal? And so she's like, it's probably nothing. So 
you know, she checked a couple of other things. So then she just had a look on her face, a strange look on her face, but she didn't really say anything to me. And then I just kind of felt something was off, but she really still didn't say anything to me. So I didn't know exactly what was going on. So then finally she, after, you know, doing a few more tests, she, you know, took some notes down and she said, I need you to get over to the hospital. And I'm like, the hospital? Why, what's going on? I still had no clue what was going on and why she wanted me to suddenly just go to the hospital. So at the time I was alone, I just, but I knew something was off. I just knew something was off. So after I leave out of the doctor's office, I go to a payphone. We didn't have you know cell phones like that back then. And so I call my best friend and I just kind of start crying. And I'm like, I don't know. I think something may be wrong with the baby. I don't know what's going on. And so of course my friend knew how much this baby meant to me. So she starts crying. And so we're both sitting there on the phone crying to each other. And like, and then, so, you know, someone picks me up and takes me to the hospital. I get to the hospital and I get the test done. And then they come back in and they just look at me so I'm clueless as to what's actually going on. No one has actually told me, you know, that my baby is gone or anything. And so they take an ultrasound at the hospital. I'm like, oh, okay, get an ultrasound. And so after the nurse does the ultrasound, I ask her, I'm like, can I have a picture? And then she just looks at me and she was like, why would you want a picture of this one? And I'm like, because that's my baby. Why wouldn't I want a picture of my baby? I've been waiting for this. And then she was like, well, maybe you'll wait until the next one. So then I just knew, I knew my baby was gone. So then finally a doctor comes in and explains to me, yes, we're sorry, but your baby has died. And I just, I couldn't believe the words that were coming out of his mouth. I'm like, my baby is gone? My baby died? How, why, what happened? And they really couldn't explain to me what happened. Only thing they could tell me was that my baby was who I was carrying for the last three and a half, four months was no longer alive. And that crushed me. And I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. So then finally they said, well, we're gonna have to have a surgery, the DNC to remove the baby. And so I call my friend and everyone, you know, they, you know, a couple of people that were with me that came up and you know to support me. Whew. And that was that was really difficult. That was really difficult. And I, I remember saying, if anything happens to this baby, I'm not gonna make it. I don't want to live anymore because I was already going through depression. And you know, it's 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 funny because God has a way, because before I actually lost a baby, he had put someone in my life, he had put a support system in my life. And then also at that point, I had a friend too that introduced me to some Les Brown tapes and gave me these tapes. And ironically, Les Brown is now my coach and mentor. And I listened to those tapes every single day. And that and the grace of God just gave me the strength that I need to keep going, for me to keep fighting and to know that it's gonna be okay. I'm gonna survive this and this too shall pass. Because I remember saying, if anything happens to this baby, I'm done. I'm going to throw in a towel. I'm not going to make it. But God, God had other plans. He had other plans. He knew this situation, this baby may not have been 
best in my hands at the moment because he knew that I wasn't ready for this baby. So he took this baby home to be with him where he or she would be better off at the moment. And so he blessed me. And because of the fact that the doctors told me after that, they said, well, you'll always be high risk. You'll always have a hard time. You may not even have children, but you'll always be high risk. And when, when they said those words, it's like, well, the thought that came to me that I know now know is, well, doctors may have a diagnosis, but God has a final prognosis. So later on, I did get married. I did have four beautiful children, naturally, without any issues, without any problems. So despite what the doctors told me, despite what they, the limitations they tried to put on me, God had other plans. And God says, you will, because I say you will. It doesn't matter what the doctors say. So God gave me the strength to keep on going. He gave me my heart's desire. And he also gave me the situation that would be better than me trying to be a single mother raising a child when I was not in a position at 18 years old to raise a child, especially going through the depression and the things I was going through at the time. He knew what was best. He knew what was best and he gave me the strength and he waited until it was a better time for me and put, and put me in a position to where I was ready to actually be a mother. And I'm just so thankful and I'm so grateful. So I wanna encourage anyone who, if you're going through anything, whether it's a miscarriage, whether it's any type of loss, whether it's um, any, a career-wise, anything that you're dealing with in life, just know the pain doesn't last. You may feel heartache, you may feel heartbreak, whatever you may feel at the moment, just know that this too shall pass. You will get through, just keep on going. And one of the things that I say all the time, whenever I'm going through any type of hard moments, I just, I just say one of my favorite scriptures, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that gives me the hope. It gives me the power. It gives me the strength to just keep on going. And another one that is really near and dear to my heart, the joy of the Lord is my strength. God will give you the strength that you need. He'll give you the joy that you need. They'll give you the peace that you need. And that's where I found my strength to keep on going, especially through those moments where I could have ended up depressed. I could have ended up suicidal because that's the history that I've had. But God, God had another plan. And so now he uses me to minister to other people, to coach other people who have any type of issues, mental health issues, who are going through any type of toxic relationships or any, any type of situations that they need, or if they're grieving through something, he had other plans. That's why he didn't allow me to take my life because he said, no, my daughter, I have plans for you. And you're gonna be here so that you can help other people get through these hard times. So when we go through these moments, just know that we're not going through them for nothing. God is gonna use our pain to help serve someone else's purpose. And he's gonna get us through. So just keep on going and just know that you have a purpose and God has a plan for you. And he's gonna use you for your plan. So just keep going because you can do all things through Christ. Just keep on going. You have everything inside of you you need to make it. Peace and blessings, I love you. And this is Joy Allen, the Joy Coach. God bless. Amen. With God, all things are possible. Thank you, Joy. I always say, 
everything goes according to his plan. We never know his plan when we have, you know, life experiences like this. We don't know why, but he gives us bits and pieces. Then all of a sudden, oh, I know why you did this. And I still praise you in the midst. Thank you for that, Joy. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Our next speaker is Erica Mitchell. Erica is known as the shoe maven in the making. Erica specializes in providing the trendiest, chicest styles and shoes and fashion, creating memorable shoe statements that will be the talk of the town forever. Her motto, trends change, style is everlasting. I like that. One of her sayings is, this is the only beginning of my styling journey. So many feet in the world and only one shoe stylist can style them. Erica Mitchell. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Erica Mitchell. Yes, welcome. thank you. I hope you can hear me, everyone. Um, thank you so much, um, Gigi and Dr. Lakeisha for having me on. Um, this was very short notice, but this is something so powerful. Um, just to speak a little bit about it. Um, when I was 18 years old, I had my first miscarriage. And I was, wasn't really seriously dating no one at the moment. And I tried to hide it. I felt as though, oh, I have other things to do. I have businesses. I'm a celebrity stylist. I could focus on other things. But deep down, I was hurting. I was hurting. I never shared it with anyone. Went to the hospital. They did what they had to do. I never shared it. Speed it up. I wound up getting married. And when I got married, our second year into our marriage, I lost a set of twins. Went to the, the, the restaurant one night and I got up, looked, and I said, wait a minute, something don't look right. Then one of them fell on the floor and it was something that I never wanted to see. So my ex-husband was like, oh my goodness, what is going on? We went to the hospital, they told me, you just miscarried a set of twins. It was very horrible. And I kept going back in my head to when I was 18 and I experienced the same thing and I tried to hide it. And all that long time, I'm like, here you go again. And as much as I grew up in church, as much as I, you know, said, oh, I had faith in God, that's when I started questioning God. Like, why would you do something like this to me again? Then two more years went um, by and I had another set of twins that I lost. So I had five angels of, with God right now. And that made me feel less than a woman to the point where as though I wound up divorcing my husband. I used all types of excuses. Oh, you know, we're working too much. We're not home. We don't see each other. But deep down, I divorced him because of the fact that I thought that I was less than a woman. And I could not hold kids. The doctor kept telling me, oh, you suffer from, you know, your cervix open up prematurely. So that's why. And to me, I was so depressed. I was going through so many different issues, so many mental issues. And, you know, it came a time where I felt as though, even though there were so many different groups reaching out to me, oh, you know, we have this here, we have that there. Sometimes you just need to talk. I had to scream, I had to get it out, I had to go forward. And I thank Gigi for allowing me to come on today because now I have a voice to speak 
and to help other women to let them know that it's not easy going through this at all. I have five angels upstairs and I still don't have a child of my own yet. So to fast forward a little bit, last year, I decided to join a church and go back to church and get closer with God when it came to personal business, everything. I just wanted God to lead me on the path that he wanted me on. And I went to church just before I even became a member of this church. I went to church with my new significant and we walking out of church and the apostle grabbed me and he said, I pray for your wound today. He didn't know me from nowhere. He said, I pray for your wound today and you will finally have a baby girl. And it was something in me. I spoke with my aunt and she was like, he prophesied your upcoming birth. He gave me a month and a date. He never gave me a year. And that gave me hope and faith all over again. So I always talk to you, I know tons of bereaved mothers that have lost their babies due to miscarriages, through tragic accidents. And I tell them all the time, just even though we go through that, it's okay for us to get together. It's okay for us to talk. It's okay for you to scream. It's okay for you to cry. Because a lot of times we try to hide it. I know I hit it. When I was 18, I really tried to hide it. I never forget, I got the hospital the next week or so, I got dressed and went out. Like it just never happened. When deep down, I was hurting. So to have platforms like this, where as though we can actually come, we can actually talk, and we can actually tell our stories because you never know who's listening and you never know who needs the comfort and the help. Don't ever hide anything. Keep moving forward because you never know. And now I hope every I talk to each and every one of you. So hopefully when this new will come, because he prophesies it. And most of us know when it's prophesied, it's going to happen. I'll let y'all all know when little Erica come. <laughs> but don't ever hide it. And don't ever sit up and be ashamed. Because I felt ashamed. I felt less than a woman. I mean, I went through a whole divorce. Making of all types of things that was not even the case. You know, at that moment, don't ever feel less than a woman. You know, we just have to continue having faith. We have to continue to take care of ourselves and continue just being around people that's going to support you and people that's going to love on you the right way. You know, and just motivate each other. It's, it's possible. It's very possible to do. You know, it's just, it's a hard topic to talk about. And it's definitely a, a hard situation to see. Because I had to pick my baby up, mouth open. It's hard. And I did this five times. But apparently God still had me on the assignment. Because that apostle that didn't know me at that moment from anything, he spoke something to me. That was just last July. He said, August the 16th, I will be one month pregnant. He just didn't say a year. Now, this year we in is a different year because I made sure I had more faith in God when it came to everything in my life. And I believe now this is where my blessing is coming. And I'll be able to carry her regardless of what doctors say. I'll be able to 
enjoy the blessing that was prophesied to me to come. Maybe it wasn't a time because God had a sign. That's something I had to learn when my grandmother was here. God do everything for a reason. I didn't, I didn't believe that at first because I was questioning God big time. On Not only would you take two, but you'll take two more. You already took one when I was younger. Now you'll take pretty much four more. So you just don't want me to have kids, but that was not the case. So I just thank you all for all the motivation, everybody that's listening, if you ever went through the situation, just surround yourself with people that's going to actually just hold you. It's okay to cry. It's okay to scream. God's still working on me. So I went through the moment where I was cursing out of this world. But at the end of the day, it's okay. It's okay. Because together we'll get through it. You just have to have that solid togetherness with someone in order to get them it's okay but thank you so much Gigi and thank you so much Dr. Lakeisha for having me on today I know it was very last minute but it's y'all stories is powerful and just to see what God brought everyone through regardless of what the trials tribulation that we went through in the past look where we at today and we're able to stand here and tell our stories today with no problem and we're here and God blessed us. Some of us have kids already. I was prophesized with one coming. So it's hope for all of us out here. We just got to keep that faith. Even when we feel depressed and stressed and down, we just got to keep that faith and try not to ever lose that faith. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Amen. Faith truly matters. Thank you, Erica. Thank you, Erica the shoe styles. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing your story. You are definitely a blessing. All of you are a blessing. Our next speaker is Melba Stitz. Melba was born on the beautiful island of Puerto Rico. She was always very smart, intuitive, and a hype and hyper hyper attention deficit hyperactivity disorder was a relatively diagnosis on the day she dropped out of pre-medical school she enlisted in the u.s army she is the first military in her family after a few growing entrepreneurs racism sexism isms she went back home upon graduation she continued serving as an army research psychologist lieutenant colonel sticks went to combat and has published extensively on stress and coping Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Melba Stitz. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, a very sad topic. Thank you for sharing your story. My first miscarriage was when I was 19 years old. We had been married for less than a year. I remember us being so proud, wearing my big t-shirt with an arrow pointing down to the big word, baby. We were close to three months. However, one night I was working a night shift. All of a sudden I started bleeding a lot and went to the bathroom. I got very dizzy. Gladly I was working in a nursing home and was able to pull the cord to call someone. Can't remember what happened afterwards. After that miscarriage and finding my husband doing crack on the top of the roof with a neighbor, and seeing that my furry baby dog that I had brought all the way from my island of Puerto Rico was not at home because he had soaked it uh, for, for crack. Let's just say that we had to file bankruptcy and I left them. I got my marriage annulled. 
many years later, I found the love of my life. We have been married for over 20 years now. For some reason, we were not getting pregnant. So we started a series of treatments like pills, shots, many in vitro, intracytoplasmatic, sperm injections, etc. One day after they made me fill up my bladder before the procedure, a doctor comes in and asks us if we were so-and-so family. They had the wrong family name. He apologized and left the room. Since it was a training hospital, we thought he was just confused. Many long minutes later, and my painful bladder ready to burst, they told me to empty it. So I knew by then that it was not healthy. I cannot remember all the details, but I think that we went home, spoon in bed, and just cried. Another day, I was running with the rest of my army bodies, and all of a sudden, I felt a horrible pain and dropped to the floor. A few of my eggs have burst inside me and I ended up in the hospital with taking, uh, taking morphine. About a year later, I got pregnant again. It was close to a trimester. And we even got to hear the heartbeat, got an ultrasound picture and I even framed it and put it in the baby's room. What a beautiful moment. Being responsible of creating and bringing a new soul to the world. Therefore, we decided to go to Puerto Rico to share the news with my family. When we got back, I went to my medical appointment at the Navy base in Bethesda and the technician doing the ultrasound was wondering why was I even there? I told her that I was pregnant and she said, no, you're not. And I asked her to bring another machine, which she did. However, after a few more people and machines confirmed the same results, I felt like I had no oxygen. In the military, we're trained to hold back our feelings. So I did not have a real shoulder to cry on. I was emotionally paralyzed. I wanted to die. And my husband was still stuck in traffic. It was horrible. Gladly, we had our doggies to love and be loved. Many times I had blamed myself for these miscarriages. Did I do anything wrong? That said, I believe in the serenity prayer. There is a reason for everything. Therefore, a few years later, we adopted a one-day-old Chinese child who had been abandoned in a box. About two years later, she almost died as she held her breast and turned purple. I begged God to take me instead, but the ambulance came on time and she came through. We are very happy. What I tell everyone is one day after the other. Thank you for letting me share my story today. Thank you, Melba. Thank you, Mel, for sharing your story. Our next speaker is Amy P. Kelly. She is an HR and learning strategy, leadership, team, and organizational development, change management, author, and keynote speaker. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our next speaker, Amy P. Kelly. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Um, thank you so much for just being here together this evening, this afternoon, wherever you are. Um, thank you for your stories and for sharing. And you know, I, this topic is just, it's, it's so important and it's, it's so um, unique and special to everyone that has had this experience. And, you know, when my husband and I got married, we knew we wanted to have children immediately and um, we immediately got pregnant. And my friend, my best friend and I were sharing how excited we were and, um, 
a few weeks later, I wasn't pregnant anymore. And she, she had her son and it was, it was wonderful. And, um, you know, I wondered, will I ever have a child? And I know that there are so many women who, who go through that feeling and, and who wonder and just through it all. Um, I definitely saw in James five sixteen, just, I commit my plans to you today, Lord. I commit the plans that I had, the things that I wanted, you know, the desires of my heart and the vision for my life that, you know, I saw, and I wanted to have the vision for my life that he saw, no matter how, how hard that was, I knew that that was the right thing to do. And, um, my husband and I continued to try to get pregnant and, you know, many of the people that I loved and cared about were having babies and, um, you know, I was happy for them. And I was also very, very sad <laughs> and just, you know, the, feeling like, um, confused and, um, knowing that God put the desire in my heart to be a mom for a reason and, um, not wanting to put my own desires for what that would look like into the equation and still feeling like I want to be joyful. I want to be this way because I believe you, you meant for it to be this way. What do you want for for this for me? Do you want it to be, what, how do you want it to look so that I can come into alignment with you, Lord, for what that would mean in, in our lives. And, you know, Proverbs was very important because my husband read Proverbs 31 at our wedding. And I think like a lot of scripture, (laughs) you don't really know the full extent of what it means. When you first hear it, it means one thing at one time and it's alive and it's active and it means different things to you at different times. And, you know, I just kept looking at Proverbs 31, 25 and just saying she is clothed with strength and div- dignity. And she laughs without fear of the future because I didn't want to be afraid. I didn't want to be missing the beauty of the moment or the, or the relationships today because of my yearning and my longing to be a mom and from the sadness of it not working the way that <laughs> I had hoped in the beginning. So I mean, this is really, um, a a time to just share all of our different stories and honor them. And, you know, my husband and I got to a point where we were thinking, you know, are we being punished? Um, Because we, we talked to each other and um, we both had had an experience where I had a miscarriage um, uh, when I was younger, the, then the first one we were married, I also had an abortion. And um, my husband had had a relationship where he had um, that same thing. And whatever your experience is, um, there's no judgment in what I'm saying. I'm just saying we in particular felt like God was punishing us. And, and I know that that's not true. I'm bringing it up to share because I know that it's not true. Um, and ultimately we walked through like all of our sadness and our desire to be parents and to be um, able to have children uh, over a, a really long period of getting tests and wondering, you know, why, why was this happening? Um, all the tests would say that we were you know, no explanation for what was happening. And um, just that same longing in our hearts. And 
I would often look at Hannah in the Bible, you know, just crying out for, for a child. And um, the, the story is really, everyone's is so unique and so different. And ultimately, um, my mom also had pancreatic cancer. And while we were trying to have a child early in our marriage, um, we were going through infertility treatments. And ultimately, we, we have four beautiful children today. I'll tell you that. And um, we had twins through uh, IVF that I have a picture of. And I would have never thought that I would have had twins. And then we had a surprise, Daniel. And Daniel's name means God is my judge. And then we had Samuel. And Samuel means God heard. And no matter what the, the path is for each of us, I, I know in my heart that the, the different things that we go through as women with our deep longings and our desires to be mothers, God has an answer for all of us and he loves us and we will be able to help each other through those deep yearnings and those longings in our heart. And so in sharing our different stories, I know that each one as authentic and as um, painful and joyful as they can be, um, as we share them, my desire is that they minister to other hearts of other women that are going through and coming out of and going into that same journey of longing to be mothers whether it be mothers of a child that they give birth to, whether it be mothers of a child that is near them, that they love and can help and support who needs their love, whether it be mothers of, you know, other women that are similar ages that, that just need that nurturing and that support. Uh, I just know that God has a plan for each of us and it's a good plan. And when we talk about Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, I have, a plan for you, declares the Lord. He declared it. And not many times in scripture do I really notice, I've, I've studied that God said, I declare this. <laughs> I declare. So he has, he's declaring that he has a plan for each one of us. And I've, on, I've held on to that promise um, throughout the journey to be a mom. And I hold on to that promise for each woman that has a dream to be a mom. And I hold on to that promise for my children. And I thank you for listening to me and sharing my story. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Amy, for sharing your story. So before we move to our last speaker, I would like to share with you our sponsors. Without them, this would not be possible. And of course, with our host, Regaline Gigi Sabat. So Ragnar Sinikas, she's the founder of World Women's Conference and Awards. Michael D. Butler, CEO of Beyond Publishing. Daniel Gomez, he's a keynote speaker, corporate trainer, executive coach, confidence architect. Melanie Ake, she is the founder of Everyday Leaders. And myself, Dr. Lakeisha James, sponsor, um, CEO and founder of Design Events by Lakeisha, located in Atlanta, Georgia. And also after our speaker, we will have closing remarks for our host, Rajaline Gigi Sabat, and then we'll go into prayer. You guys ready for the last speaker? Our last speaker is Dr. Gold. Dr. Tanya Gold is a medical doctor and author of Seven Habits of Extremely Happy People. Women, she's extremely happy all the time. She's extremely happy and it's very addictive. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our last speaker, Dr. Gold. Welcome. 
Hey everyone, I just want to first say thank you to Gigi and congratulations, Dr. Lakeisha. It's an honor to have you um, hosting as usual. I love your beautiful smiles and faces and thank you all the participants for sharing your remarkable stories. It really is for me so touching and I feel like I'm not alone because honestly, I was one of those who hid this, was embarrassed, felt less of a woman, just some, was something wrong with me that I can't get pregnant and so many of my sisters are having babies like easily. So uh, I'll share my story. Um, it was actually my sister's baby shower and I was gonna surprise her uh, that I was pregnant. And we tried for many years, my family actually gave up on me because we were married for many years. And initially, honestly, we didn't wanna get pregnant. We wanted to enjoy each other's company. We were married, we're having fun and traveling and stuff like that. So we're like, oh, we'll put off, you know, getting pregnant. And I thought, honestly, because my family has so many kids that if I wanted to get pregnant, I can get pregnant whenever I wanted, you know, once we started trying. Well, fast forward several years later when I was trying and nothing was happening off of birth control pills. And so I was like, all right, well, if it's in God's will, I didn't want to fill my body with hormones or anything. I wanted to do everything natural as a holistic medical doctor and MD. I really knew the detriments of medications too. If, if you have to have them, of course, I understand that for, but for me and my um, personal um, view and what I wanted for my, my own body, I just wanted it to be God's way. So if it was gonna happen, I wanted it to happen, you know, just as natural as possible. So when that wasn't happening, um, I said, all right, I'll just keep praying. And if we have to, we'll adopt. But then I got pregnant and I was like, okay. So I was gonna tell my sister, at the baby shower, I was so excited. And she was already by this point, like huge, I think maybe like seven months pregnant or whatever. And everybody's of course excited. We had a little like, you know, lots of excitement in the family. And I was with my sister and I just wasn't feeling good. My stomach was hurting and just, but I didn't, you know, but it's what it is. And she was just talking about a lot of things and some trauma, nothing major, but my brothers got into a fight. So we were dealing with that argument. So I literally just had to go to the bathroom and then it came out and I saw it was the head and part of, it was, it was still early. So you just saw parts and pieces, but you can tell it was the forming of the fetus. And I just was, I didn't, I didn't want to ruin my sister's experience. She just, she's having a baby and the baby's fully formed and all this stuff. And I was like, all right, I'm just not going to tell anybody. And I didn't, I hit it and I literally, I feel almost embarrassed, but I, wrapped it in paper towels. I said a little prayer and I just threw it in the, the trash. I didn't even bury it, but I didn't know what to do. I was just like so embarrassed. I was like, um, I couldn't flush it down the toilet. That I couldn't do. I was just like, it was right there. So I just picked it up and, but I was just sad. And my sister kind of knew she was like, something's going on with you. And I finally shared what happened. She's like, oh my God. And I was like, I don't want to get you stressed or upset because I didn't want anything to happen to her. Um, and her baby. And she's like, no, you're here among love. And so she shared with one other sister. I have a big family. I have 15 brothers and sisters. So she shared with just one other. But to this time, too, we haven't told the whole family. And it was one of those things I just wanted to, I thought, to keep within. But when I looked at the statistics, you know, it's one in four women who get pregnant and have a miscarriage. So it's really, really common. But I don't hear the stories. I think a lot of us feel like our voices are shut down with this topic. So I'm so grateful for Gigi for bringing this to light and Lakeisha, Dr. Lakeisha for, you know, opening up the panel and all of you women for sharing your personal stories. But it is common. Um, 
one thing with my sister, when she was trying to get pregnant before she had her baby, she was having miscarriage after miscarriage. And we actually spoke about hormone levels. And one thing I mentioned to her is progesterone, how important it is to make sure you check your levels. And progesterone helps sustain pregnancy. So for her, she was able to get pregnant pretty easily, but she kept miscarrying, miscarrying. And she was to the point her husband was going to get a vasectomy because she's like, I can't go through the trauma of having another miscarriage. I said, Marissa, take your progesterone. Now she, I, I wanted her to get her levels checked, but it was going to be too delayed because she didn't have insurance at that time. And it was um, just a cost issue, but progesterone is really cheap. It's like $20, $10, $15. You can get the progesticare, just one pump, a cream on the, you know, the forearms. So she started doing that. And I don't say that's the only reason she carried this baby to term, but if it helped, you know, progesterone can help with carrying uh, pregnancy to term. So oftentimes it's not a routine test to check your progesterone levels. It's not often that the um, uh, OBGYNs always say take progesterone. It's more of a kind of holistic type care sometimes. And I was just grateful that I was there to be there for her. And her other thing, she said, I don't wanna be happy about this baby. What if it doesn't make it? And I said, Mercy, you can choose your happiness. We can always choose our happiness. We can't control the outcome but we can still have our joy, still flourish in this blessing because it is God's gift. And we have to appreciate what God gives us. And even God forbid, if we doesn't come to term or something else happens, there might be another reason we don't understand. I'm not making light of the situation, but sometimes a glorious baby does come into your hands. And I know so many parents, including all my brothers and sisters who let me borrow their children and gladly. And it's so many um, we're not alone. So to just say that our child is of ours just because we deliver them, we have so many children in the world that need a home. And all my brothers and sisters' babies, I consider my own. So I just want to share that because sometimes we get caught up that it has to, we have to deliver it. But you can have a baby, the one that you're in their life, you care for them, you love them, and you're, you know, they're a huge part of your life. So they're still with you always. And my nieces, um, I love them and adore them. They love me and don't tell anybody, but they call me their favorite aunts. So just play with them and laugh at them all the time and jump up and down on the bed. Again, don't tell dad that, but we just have a good time. And I think life is meant to be lived. We're meant to enjoy life. Every day is a blessing that we're above ground. And we, again, can't understand why this carriage happens so commonly, but from the scientific standpoint, it's a little kind of cold answer sometimes, but we know if the babies are born, they may be deformed. That's why miscarriage happens so much, where they might not have a full head or they may not be functional or they may be brain dead. So this is kind of maybe God's way for just making it simpler because I can't even imagine having that baby and then not seeing it you know, continue to. So I'm not saying that's making light of it, but. Sometimes it is meant to uh, know that there is sometimes reason beyond our understanding and that we're from every experience, we can decide to grow from it. And every time we grow, we just become a better person and we can be a mom to so many other people in this world. And we don't have to have a child to be a mother. We can um, be a mother from our hearts to, to love somebody else, irregardless of their age or um, who they are. We can love that person just like our own. So I think that's really important. And um, I just, again, wanted to thank you for this beautiful honor to be here and share that you matter, you're important, you're loved, you're worthy, you're enough, you are God's gift. And literally the creation of life 
can come many different ways just by being there for somebody else. And I know I have so many um, family members too that are adopted and they consider the they call them the birth mother, but that's not who they consider their mother. It's the one who raised them. So when I recognize that, it's the people who are in your life who are really care about you and love you, not the one who just, that those people who birth you are still, of course, important, but the ones who raised you and are there for you during the difficult times, that's who, that's what really matters. So I just wanted to share. Lots of love to everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Tanya Gold. <sighs> Thank you, Dr. Tanya. It's always a pleasure seeing you. Thank you. <laughs> now we are going to have words of closing from our host, Rajaline Sabat. Wow. Such an incredible and impactful event today. Your stories are truly powerful, such powerful testimonies. And so if you're listening to this message today, I want to remind each and every one of you that you're not alone. Each and every one of us in this room today and with you. And remember, God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1, 9 states, haven't I commanded you be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for your Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. Therefore, remember, you're not alone. Never give up. And each and every one of the speakers in this room today they are a walking testimony that there is hope. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, no matter what you've been through. Yes, today's topic is miscarriage. We have miscarriage survivors on this panel today. And here they are sharing their stories. They stood up today and let their voices be heard. You're not alone. Hold on to God and hold on to faith. And as Dr. Tanya Gold just said, life is meant to be lived. So live every day as though it were your last. God bless you all. And now we will end with a prayer from Dr. Lakeisha James. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Father, for this day that you've made, and we're all exceedingly rejoicing. We thank you, Father, for all of these women that shared their stories on today. And our stories are not meant for us, but it's meant for someone else, Father. We thank you for the strength and the courage that you've given them all today, Father. We thank you, Father, for never leaving us nor forsaking us. We thank you for that, Father, because only you know, and everything goes according to your plan. So today, I ask you, Father, to bless these women, bless the ones that shared their story on today, and bless the ones that have yet to raise their voices about miscarriages, Father, because we we all go through something father everyone has a story everyone has a story and father through our story we're able to believe in you we worship you in spirit and in truth and father we thank you for today this day that you have made father we're honoring you on today we're praising you on today father we're worshiping you on today father and we thank you right now father for choosing us to be a vessel we thank you right now father for this journey that you have us on father it's not meant for us it's meant for someone else we give you all the honor the praise and the glory in jesus name amen amen Thank you all. God bless you and be safe.